Good morning. Um, so thankful that wherever you are, you're you're tuning in to Foundation this morning to hear the Word of God be spoken to you. Uh, wherever you are, whatever time it is for you, uh, I'm glad that you're you're taking this time to allow God to speak truth into your heart. And I pray by His grace, I'll faithfully be able to communicate His Word to you this morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Tim. I am the ministry assistant and worship leader at Foundation Church. If you've tuned in to us previously, you may be used to having David, our pastor, uh, speak to you, but this morning he's given me the opportunity um, to communicate God's word to you, and I pray I can do it so faithfully. At Foundation, we're currently looking at this theme of restoration. We're taking time to consider in what ways is God seeking to restore his kingdom on earth. As we begin to look at what it might look like returning to worship in this post-lockdown world. We are considering in what ways does God want us to restore, or in what ways does God want to restore our hearts before we restore and re-enter corporate worship. Bit by bit every week, it seems more and more likely that we're returning to some sort of normality. But I know with all my heart that God's plan in all of this is that we don't simply return to how things were before. But when we, whenever we do return to corporate worship, whenever we do come together again as a family, that our hearts will be reinvigorated, renewed, with a new excitement within us for God, with a new determination to serve him, to offer him our lives that we may know the true peace that is found only in Jesus Christ, that we may know the fulfillment and satisfaction that is only found in our Saviour, that we can return to our Creator God, our Father, our Friend, and that we can fulfil the purpose that he has called for us. And in looking at this theme of restoration, we're taking time to look through the book of Ezra, this is the story of God's people returning from exile to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. For 70 years, give or so, a decade or two, God's people were thrown into exile in the foreign nation of Babylon. They, by force, were given new names, new identities. They were thrown into a new culture and the worship of their God was forbidden. These people from from Babylon invaded Judah and took the people as their own. But by God's grace, his people were allowed to return to their land so that they can restore worship, they can rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Now, the significance of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem and the reason that that was their priority was because the temple was God's presence on earth. The temple, the one holy temple in Jerusalem was God's communication to his people, was God's relationship to his people in that time. To be with God in the temple required great sacrifice, required cleansing, required so many works and rituals because of our sin. Things look so differently today because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the temple now lives within us. So the restoration of the temple, the restoration of worship, is an inward process as well as a process with your, your church family. It is also an inward process. We don't have to travel hundreds of miles to the temple to restore worship. We can simply look to Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be talking about today.
Last week, David spoke on Ezra 4. And in Ezra 4, we see the foundations have been laid for the temple. The people rejoice in the name of the Lord. But during this process, the enemies of God's people, the enemies of God, sought to bring this process to an end. They knew because of, simply because of their history, they knew that God's people were powerful. They knew that God's people, the Israelites, they were a threat to their way of life. Because throughout history, we see that God is faithful to his people. For as long as they are faithful to him, he is faithful to them. And that whenever they lean into him, they deliver, God delivers his people into fulfillment, into promise. And hope. And so, whenever the building was beginning again, whenever they were rebuilding the temple, God's enemies were threatened, they were scared. And so, by force, they entered Jerusalem and they forced the people of God to stop building the temple. And today, we are looking at Ezra 5. We're looking at the encouragement of God in this time after opposition comes their way. We're looking at this question of priority. I'm asking you the question as well as ask myself the question, where do your priorities lie? On a daily basis and in a long-term basis. And I'm also asking the question, are your priorities in life, whatever, whatever it is, are they dictated by fear? Or are they led by God? Are your priorities shaped and moulded by your relationship with Jesus Christ or by your fear of whatever may lie ahead of you, your fear of accomplishment, of circumstance, of um, convenience. And so here we have in Ezra 5, we see that after God's people were, were forced to stop building, they retreated out of fear. They ran from building, rebuilding the temple. They ran from their purpose that God gave them and their priorities shifted dramatically. They submitted and they said, yeah, I'm going to stop. I'm going to retreat to my homes. And we see that for 15 years, there was not a single brick laid upon the temple. For 15 years, God's people retreated into their homes and their priorities became dictated by fear. Out of fear, their priorities shifted from their relationship with God to simply surviving. And you may wonder to yourself, is it really wrong to worry about surviving? Is it a bad thing that they simply wanted to make it through the day, that they simply wanted to provide for themselves and survive? Surely that is enough. But we're looking much deeper than that. We're looking at the priorities of the heart. We're looking at where do your plans ahead lie? What dictates your approach to life? What dictates your approach to your daily routine? Is it fear or is it God? Because fear is not from God. Fear is a weapon of the enemy. And perfect love casts out fear. God casts out fear. So as long as we turn our priorities to him, fear will be extinguished and we will find peace. And that is what we're looking at today. In Ezra 5, it begins by simply saying, now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem. God spoke through his prophets. God spoke through anointed people into Jerusalem, over his people. He revealed himself even more to them. 
and then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, who was the governor of Judah, and Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, he is the high priest, arose and began to build the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God are with them, supporting them. Now, the first question that comes to my mind is, what on earth did God say to them after 15 years that encouraged them to return to their priorities? After 15 years, which for me, 15 years ago, I was eight. Scary thought. What did God say to them to shift their priorities? And that's what we're going to look at today. The three different aspects of what God said and we're going to look at today is the fact that firstly, their purpose and our purpose as God's people is first and foremost the worship of God. And if we don't fulfill this, we won't be satisfied. We will never know true peace. That is the first point. The second point is that God will always honour those who put him first. God will always pour out his blessings upon those who prioritise him. And we'll look more into that soon. And finally, the third point is that to rebuild the temple is to look to Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, because of who he is, what he did for us, because of his love for us, to rebuild the temple, to prioritise God first, is to look to Jesus at all times. And we'll be looking into that shortly. But first... Our purpose is the worship of God. If we don't fulfill this, we will never be satisfied. And in order to look at this, I want to look at what exactly did the prophets Haggai and Zechariah say to the people of God. The book of Ezra documents what happened, but Haggai and Zechariah is exactly is the transcript of what God said to his people. So if we look to Haggai, I encourage you to read both these books. Haggai is a lot shorter. It's only two chapters. might be easier to read, but Zechariah is such a wonderful book as well. And we'll be looking into both. But first, in the book of Haggai, we see that God looks upon his people. He sees that they have retreated into their homes. Their priorities are dictated by fear. That because of the fear of the enemy, God's people have said, okay, I'm going to back away from the purpose that God gave me. I'm going to back away from the rebuilding of the temple. I'm going to care for myself first. You, know. even, you can already see that even today we live in this individualistic society which is I'll take care of myself first and everything else will take care of themselves. And we even see that here. The people, God's people, his chosen people, out of fear they retreated into themselves and God spoke into this and he said, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. He asks them, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while my house, while this house lies in ruins? Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. God is saying, you can see for yourselves that you work and you work and you work and you put the effort in. But because your priorities are dictated by fear, because your priorities are provide for myself, survive, you're never satisfied. You never have enough. You don't know fulfillment. We're created so that we can be fulfilled. God created us in love so that we can know joy, that we can know peace. Isn't that what all of us yearn for all the time is simply peace? No matter what we do, no matter what actions we take, our priorities are always going to be seeking peace. 
And if it's not trying to find peace and joy and love from God, it's going to be from something else. It's going to be from work. It's going to be from family, from friends, from social life, from some sense of purpose in knowing that you're doing something worthwhile. But if it isn't dictated by your relationship with God, you will never be satisfied. We are created first and foremost for worship. Jesus Christ himself says, this is the greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Our created purpose is worship at all times. God created us so that we can know joy, but he created us in such a way that the only way we'll know true joy is if we live in constant relationship with God. That our days are structured around our relationship with him. That our days are structured around us living by his word, us seeking him out at all times, serving him. Jesus goes on to say that the second is like this, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And so the result of loving God, being in relationship with God, is that you will love others before you love yourself. That is the fruit of loving God. That is how you know that you're in relationship with God, is that you seek wholeheartedly, humbly to serve others. We go on to see here that God says, Go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house that I may take pleasure in it and I may be glorified. He says, go return to your purpose. Return to what I've called you to do. He says, you looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. The heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I have called for drought on the land, on the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labours. What we see here is that the reason that they are unsatisfied and their priorities are not their relationship with God is because he makes it that way. I withheld it. I blew it away. We see that not only are we created by God with a purpose, but we are governed by God, we're ruled by God. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We live in his kingdom. So it is by his hand that whenever, we, whenever our priorities are not our relationship with him, our priorities are not the worship of our Lord God, then we will be unsatisfied, we'll be unfulfilled. We will not know true peace or love because he makes it that way. That is his encouragement to turn us back to how we were created. God yearns for us. He loves us. He is a jealous God. It says it time and time again in scripture that God is jealous for us. That means that he yearns for us. He loves us more than any love we could possibly know. If you are a parent, look upon the love that you have for your child and know that God loves you even more than that. If you're, if you're married, if you're in a relationship, look at the love you have for your spouse, for your significant other, and know that God loves you even more than that. Imagine the heartbreak of when your loved one turns from you. When your loved one says that they don't need time with you, that you are not a priority of theirs. How heartbreaking. 
But that, the reason that we knew that pain, that heartbreak, we, the reason we knew what it's like whenever our loved one turns from us is because that's only a shadow of the heartbreak that God feels when we turn from him, when our priorities are dictated by the, by the work of the enemy, by the work of Satan himself. He uses doubt, he uses fear, he manipulates our mind internally and externally because we are constantly at battle. But that means that we're doing the right thing. David spoke last week about how opposition, obstacles, are an indication that you're going the right way, you're fighting the right battle. Because if you fight the right battle, then there will be opposition. Because the enemy is scared. It says here, I blew it away because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house is a work of God to try and encourage us to return to who we were created to love and worship. Look, I want to ask you a question. Look at your daily lives. Look at your daily priorities. Are they dictated by fear? Are they dictated by stress, anxiety, worry? Are your priorities, your decisions, are they molded by what you're scared of? Debt, illness, isolation, success, circumstance, convenience. Convenience is always going to be the greatest power of the enemy against us. He's going to tell us that when God calls us to do something, it's inconvenient. It doesn't work out, you know, it doesn't really fit. It's like trying to put a jigsaw in the wrong place. That's a lie. It will always be a lie. Because God encourages us and tells us that when we put him first, he will honour us. That is the second point we're going to look at in a second. But before we look at it, I want to ask you the question. Does your priority, is your, is your day prioritised because of fear? Because of anxiety? Because of convenience? Whenever you first wake up in the morning, is your first priority instinct to reach for your phone, to look through social media, to look through texts, emails, news or is your first priority to reach for the word of God to be nourished and satisfied by the God who created you do you prioritize getting up early enough in the morning maybe before the kids wake up so that you can spend time alone with your father in heaven so that you can say God my day is before me there's so much opportunity in this day to live after you to live as I have been created to do. So God, speak to me in this time. Speak to me before I hear another voice, before I read any text, before I get any email, any instruction. Every text, every email, every Facebook message, every Instagram message, every Snapchat, whatever it is, it's always going to direct us in a certain direction. It's always going to tell us to do something, respond in a certain way. But what if our priority was first to be with God? God tells us that he will always honour us when we put him first. He goes on to say it in the words of Haggai the prophet. His people, when they heard this encouragement and they began to return, they were scared. They looked back at what the temple once was when Solomon built it, when it was made entirely of pure gold. And they were like, there's no way I can do it as well as that. They were scared. They felt incompetent. They felt unequipped. Fear 
creep back in. There was first the external work of the enemy. God's enemies came in by force and told them to stop. But then the enemy, Satan, used an arguably more powerful weapon, which is fear, doubt. But if internally rather than externally, they were scared. But God replies to them. God encourages them and he says, I am with you, declares the Lord, says verse 13 in chapter 1. In chapter 2, in verse 4, he says, be strong, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. We see here God's encouraging them and saying, I'm with you. I'm with you in all of this. I'm pushing in the right direction. How much more should we be encouraged knowing that we have the Holy Spirit? We have the third part of the Trinity living within us. As long as we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, as long as we yearn to live after him, we have God within us. Jesus Christ himself said, I must leave now because something greater is coming. That greater is the presence of God within us. We can be fully led by God in all that we do. We do not need to rely on our own strength. How much more encouraged should we be that when we prioritize God first, he will guide us because he is within us. He will lead us to satisfaction. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. It's so much like what he says here. When he says, I am with you. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. The God who created us with the intention for us to worship him, be in relationship with him, is not going to abandon us to that. He's not going to say, right, do it, I'm going to walk away. That is the sign of a bad leader. That is the sign of an incompetent leader. One who says, do this, I'm out of here, get it done, and leaves. No, a good leader who says, this must be accomplished. I have created things in this way, so this must be accomplished. I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to come alongside you. A leader sees a goal... And does what he can to encourage it to work. A good leader comes alongside those he leads and encourages them, guides them, put them in the right direction. Doesn't just tell them what to do and leaves them. That is what fear does. That is what the enemy does. The enemy tells you to believe one thing because of your fear and then leaves you to it and just watches, sits back and watches as, he, as you allow fear to dictate. But God says, I am with you. Lamentations chapter 3 says, The Lord is good to those who hope in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God honours your faithfulness. He has created a covenant with us. He says here, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. A covenant is a promise that cannot be broken. And God's very character is faithful and eternal. Just as, as eternal as, as his existence is his faithfulness. For God to be unfaithful to us, for God to leave us, make us work by our own strength, is contrary to his very existence. And so whenever we prioritize God first, whenever we put him first in our lives, whenever we allow the words dictate what we do in our lives, our service, our, our humble service to those around us, which is the fruit of loving God, he will honour that and we will know peace. We, we fear that because we're doing all this on faith, that if we prioritise God first, if we spend time in his word every day, if we do everything prayerfully, 
if we listen to the Holy Spirit before we do anything, then everything around us will crumble, we'll fail our job, we'll, we'll go into debt. We won't be able to provide. But God will always be with us. God honours us. He, if he really is the eternal, all-powerful, all-loving God that sees eternity in the palm of his hand, then surely if we honour him, surely if we submit to worshipping him in all things, then he will allow everything else to come in place. That's something I very really do battle with. Being at the age I am, I need to consider my priorities in life. I need to consider, well, what and what's my 10-year plan, my 20-year plan? What is it that I'm going to commit my life to doing? And that is, that's a question that's been on my heart for so long. It's a scary question. It's one that I know that whatever answer I come up with, it's going to impact arguably the rest of my life. But I know that as long as I put God first, he's faithful and he will lead me in the direction that he knows fit. He knows best. God is faithful and just. He will never abandon his children. And that is what he is telling them here, is that as long as you work for me, as long as you work for the rebuilding of the temple, as long as you restore a relationship with me, I will honour you, I will be with you, I will satisfy you. They fear that their work will not be enough. They fear it will be a waste of time, that they are not strong enough, that they are incompetent. But he says, I am with you. My glory is with you. If we look to the prophet Zechariah, who is the, the second prophet that also spoke to God's people in this time, in the book of Ezra, it says Haggai and Zechariah. If we look to Zechariah, his book, his words are a lot more visual, they're a lot deeper, they're a lot more poetic. Haggai seems a lot more practical. Do this and I'll be with you. But Zechariah is poetic. It's, it's longer, it's more in-depth. It's visions, but it is a beautiful truth. Zechariah says, by the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, Zechariah says to the people of God, people of Israel, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. The Lord says, I will be the glory in your midst. As long as my glory is being sought, I will be with you. What a beautiful image that is. And the final point, the real encouragement of what Zechariah was saying, is that although they didn't know it at the time, although they simply thought they were rebuilding the temple, the whole purpose of this, the whole aim, the whole goal of all that God's asking them to do is Jesus Christ. That is the path set out before them. They do not know that they are creating a path for Jesus to come in glory and for us to be saved from our sins, for us to be set free, for us to be in true relationship with God. He's asking them to rebuild the temple so that his presence on earth can be established. But what he's really saying is this is paving the way for something greater. Whenever his people are scared Whenever they have fear in their hearts and they say, there's no way that we can build a temple as great as it once was, as the temple of Solomon, which is which people from all around the world travel for weeks and months to, just to see. There's no way we can possibly do something as great as that. The fear is in doubt. That's fear and doubt. That is the weapon of the enemy. Satan is telling them, surely you can't do well enough. You're not going to be able to do good enough. It was once great. There's nothing you can do, especially in your circumstance. 
But then God says to his people through Haggai, popping back to Haggai, and he says, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. In this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. It seems to, seems to them, the Lord, the Lord is simply saying to them, don't worry, this, this temple is going to be beautiful, it's going to be incredible, I will do so much. But what he's really saying is that the coming temple, the coming presence of God on earth will be in Jesus Christ, will be in my son who I will send to die for you. And I will give peace, true peace. And that is the third point, that to, be, to rebuild the temple for us today in this world to rebuild the temple, to seek to reestablish God on earth is to first look to Christ, to at all times look to Jesus Christ. Every battle we fight, every effort we put in is always to look at Jesus Christ. We have the reassurance that if we do have a heart for serving God, if we sit back and say, yes, God, I do want to serve you, I just don't know how. I want to commit my life to you, but I'm not gonna, I, I won't be able to leave my work. I won't be able to, you know, go, not, I'm not asking you to go into full-time ministry, but I won't be able to leave my work. I just don't really know how I could possibly do that. Like, in what way can I do that? And the reassurance is that it is not by our strength, it is by the strength of Jesus Christ. He has already won the war. Yes, we have daily battles to fight. Satan will always try and manipulate us, terrify us, put fear in our hearts. But the truth is, the war is already won. When Jesus Christ was up on that cross and died for our sins, he defeated death. Here at Foundation, we just finished an Alpha course. Um, it was incredible, such an incredible experience. Would definitely recommend it to anyone. I've never done Alpha before. I've been a Christian almost all my life, but I've never done Alpha before, which is very introductory. But it explained so wonderfully that one way to kind of compare our battle today against evil in light of the salvation from Jesus is that you can compare it to the end of World War II whenever um, on D-Day, the troops stormed the beach, they made it into Europe, into France and from that moment on the war was won that was seen as the real the victory that was seen as the day that the war was won but there were still battles to face after that they still had to make their way into German territory they still had to defeat the German army that is one way that you can look at this is that the war's already won Jesus Christ on the third day rose again he stormed the beaches and defeated the enemy and the war's already won. So as long as we look to Jesus Christ at all times, as long as we look to what he says to us through his word so wonderfully, then we will be satisfied. To rebuild the temple, to seek to worship God and reestablish our priorities is to look at Jesus and allow him to work in us. One of the words that's thrown around so much is submission to God. Submission to the Holy Spirit that lives in us. The spirit of the living God. And that is the joy that we have. It's that it isn't by our own strength. If this is by our own strength, because of our sin, we would feel so instantly. But as it says here, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. What is to come is greater than before because it is going to be in the name of Jesus Christ. It's going to be in the power of Jesus Christ. That is the reassurance that we have. If you look back at Zechariah, I apologise, I'm jumping around a bit, but 
Zechariah to the people in this time, which is, what, 500 years before Jesus came. He's saying, behold, I will bring my servant the branch. He's saying, be reassured, be encouraged, continue to seek me out because my servant the branch will be brought to you. I have taken away your iniquity from you. I will clothe you in pure vestments. The real encouragement is found in these words. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That is the encouragement. We are called to re-establish our priorities. That is what I'm asking you to look at today. Consider your priorities in your daily life and in the long term as well. And ask yourself, is my day really prioritised by God or by fear? Do I look to be satisfied in my relationship with God or do I look simply to, to kind of push down the fear and anxiety that I have by simply feeding it and by, by satisfying it? But God says, it is not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The eternal, powerful, loving God tells us that it is by his power that we can be satisfied in him. For as long as we look to Jesus Christ, as long as we look to, look to emulate Jesus, as long as we give thanks in the name of Jesus at all times, we are rebuilding the temple. The temple lives in us. We are his holy temple because his spirit, his presence on earth, is within us. It has become an inward process rather than a physical building. As long as you seek God first, you will be satisfied. We know from um, Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, the produce of the Spirit, is love, joy and peace. We know that as long as we lean into God, as long as we lean into his Holy Spirit, at all times we will know true love, we will know true peace, we will know true joy. Yes, suffering is inevitable. Yes, opposition is inevitable. As David said, that means we're going in the right direction. That means we need to keep pushing forward because the faithfulness of God means that as long as we push forward, despite opposition, we will know satisfaction. We will know fulfillment because we are doing what we were created to do. But not by our power, not by our strength, because in us we are sinful, but in Jesus we are free. That is the encouragement that the prophets give to God's people whenever they were living in fear, whenever the priorities became dictated by the fear that the enemy put in their hearts. They simply wanted to survive, they wanted to get by, despite the fact that God's building was in ruins. But the encouragement was first, as long as you don't look to worship God at all times, as long as your purpose isn't rooted in God, you won't be satisfied. And God will always honour you as long as you look to him first. God will always bless you in your works as long as you look to him. And thirdly, it is in Christ. It is in Jesus that we can do this. We simply must look to him, look to emulate him in his humility, in his love, in his submission and service to God. And we will know peace. We will know satisfaction. All things will come together for the glory of God and for the good of those who love him. That is the promise that we give you today through God's word. I pray that it blesses you. I pray that God speaks to you through it. I pray that you'll begin to look at your lives and wonder, in what ways can I shift my priorities? 
Because the truth of the fact is, I'm not speaking to one or two of you that could potentially be dictated by fear. The truth of the matter is that all of us, 100% of humanity, has fear in their life. That is the inevitability of life, is that fear exists. That doubt, convenience, these things will always be in the back of our mind, no matter how much we give to God. But by his strength, we will have peace. So I pray that at all times you will look to Christ. You will ask God that by his Holy Spirit, you may know peace. And that his glory will be known on this earth. Amen.